Funding for Elwood City Limits is brought to you by Chander LaFave Boten, Christine Wong, Christopher Ifill, Crescent Fresh, Dan Mike Dawson Silva, Emily Kay, Froppy, Ian Collis, Jake Bailey, Joe Sue, John Dulong, John Griswold, Kevin Noon, Leanne S., Light Relentless, Macy Ball, Riley Stevens, Ross Ward, Sam Solero, Stella, and Teresa. Become a patron today at patreon.com slash elwoodcitylimits and get access to exclusive audio and more. Thank you. Gather around, my children, and I will tell you the terrifying tale of when the power went out at the Walmart. So, I don't know uh, how many listeners follow you and I on Twitter. I think we both have locked Twitter accounts. Me, because I'm about to... uh, uh, I'm trying to appear as a communications professional. You're about to break bad um, into your field of yeah, study. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, 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 I'm not even that uncouth on Twitter, but I like to make, you know, a post here and there. And um, I, I'm trying to appear as a professional. So I have a locked Twitter account, but you're welcome to send me a follow request uh, at Lucas underscore Mancini at Twitter.com. And you just have a locked Twitter account. Uh, I'm not sure why, but hey, that's your prerogative. But if the the, the lucky listeners uh, who do follow you, and what's your Twitter again, Will? At William Y, spelled W-I-L-L-Y-U-M-W-H-Y. The, the, the listeners lucky enough to follow you on Twitter uh, know that you recently uh, were at a, as I like to call them, a night Walmart, Walmart after dark. Uh, <laughs> and... You somehow resisted just petty theft just because I was looking at that picture and I was like, hmm, what if you just like stole a pack of combos or something? So, Who would know? So this was this was an interesting thing here. Like today is my kind of day off of this week. It's WrestleMania week and uh, I'm currently in the middle of my uh, minimum wage gauntlet to get to WrestleMania, my Kofi Kingston style gauntlet <laughs> to the main event. <laughs> Uh, and ca- ironically, Daniel Bryan is capitalism in this situation. <laughs> and um, yeah, so today is my day off. It's the day the Usos were like, it's good luck, Us, we forfeit. And uh, so I had to get groceries today because I'm out of food. I normally go to a Walmart that's fairly close to where I live, about like a 10-minute drive or something. And I'm in the middle of grocery shopping, and this is the first time it's ever happened to me. The power just goes out. It's very windy out today, so I guess that's going to be affecting some power systems. And so... Uh, I, I believe one uh, Winnie T. Poo uh, would describe it as a blustery day. It is a blustery kind of day outside. And I was rumbling my tumbly because I don't have any groceries. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, in if you ever wanted to know about the the protocol for what happens when a Walmart runs uh, um, goes off the grid, goes out, gets out of power, uh, essentially they have the staff kind of round everybody up and uh, kind of bring them to the front of the front of the store with all of their all of their stuff. There was a very there was a period of time where I certainly could have packed something into my jacket if I wanted to. Ooh. I did not. I did not. No, you're not. A, you're not a rude boy. You're not a. Uh, you're lawful good. You're not gonna 
steal any s- s- snack, some Twizzlers. No, from, from from the night Walmart. No, especially especially from a from you know a place like Walmart where it's like you don't necessarily have to feel super bad about like you know given what they are and no, what it's they a do. Victimless yeah. crime. Yeah, exactly. Uh, no, I didn't want to get in on all that, all that, but I also couldn't buy the groceries that I had already gotten, and they were just like, yeah, the power's not going to come back on until like 4 o'clock. And I'm like, oh, great. Now I have to go to another Walmart that is 20 minutes away. So mildly inconvenienced. It was it was pretty funny of just like being being that social experience of like the lights go out at a grocery store and everybody's like, well, what happens now? So <laughs> that was, what happens when the lights go out at the grocery store? And they had to immediately start covering up like all the perishable items like meat and fruit and stuff like that. I felt bad for the people who work there cause, or or actually maybe good because like this is, might be like an extended break for them. But for the people who really have to scramble when like the power goes off, that's no fun. Anyway, <laughs> it's a, a funny old part of my funny old day. And now we get to actually, like, make some of that humor ourselves. I mean, maybe, depending on who you talk to. Uh, with Elwood City Limits, it's the episodic Arthur podcast. We are getting close to the end of the sixth season of Arthur here in this episode. My name's Will Young, and uh, my co-host is Lucas Mancini. Hello. So, yeah, we're on the penultimate episode of the season. I'm uh, really hoping that we can uh, see this through before I head overseas uh, with my soon-to-be wife. I Baruda, Jamaica. Ooh, <laughs> I want to take you to Key Largo, Montego. Where are you going, by the way? We, I guess we should say. I don't want you to get like killed <laughs> by like uh, a stalker, but uh, we're, we're, I didn't know you were going overseas. I knew you were going on a honeymoon. but For, uh, for any of our uh, South American listeners, I'm going to Cuba. Ooh, Cuba. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much looking forward to a lot of sun and a lot of swimming and just a lot of time to do not very much at all. That uh, sounds good to me. Mm. Yeah, that's going to be ramping up. I'll have a, you know, hopefully when we record sometime next week, I'll be able to kind of give you a little bit more about, you know, the upcoming wedding and stuff like that. I also don't want to... You know, keep going on about oh my, oh my wife, my wedding. Yeah, like I'm sure, I'm sure it's, it's a, weird. it's a welcome reprise from what we would usually be talking about this time of year, which is like, so will who do you think will win in the triple threat match between Becky Lynch, Charlotte Flair, and Ronda Rousey? <laughs> well, I mean, given the fact that at some point this month we are probably going to be doing. Uh, a filibuster? Maybe, maybe we, maybe we want to save <laughs> our right. opinions on um, WrestleMania until yeah, after it happens. You're right. Not only is WrestleMania coming up, but uh, there's also it's the spring anime season. It's like prime filibuster content days because the spring <laughs> anime season's about to start. Uh, WrestleMania is happening, so uh, we're in luck. Where it's a ripe vein for content, especially after the last filibuster, where I feel like both of you and I were like husks. Uh, or maybe just me. But <laughs> I know, dude. I was a wreck on that last filibuster. <laughs> and if you want, only the best for our Patreon subscribers. <laughs> and if you want to hear more content like that uh, with us at our emotional and physical uh, limits, uh, go to Patreon.com/slash Elwood City Limits. We just got a new patron uh, in the last few days, so thank you very much. I believe that's uh, Kevin. I will have to update the opening once again, uh, which I don't mind doing at all. Uh, also, speaking of our fans, we have a couple of correspondences from them over at ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. Before we start this episode of Arthur, I always like to dip into the mailbag. And if you'd like your 
uh, correspondence read on the air, you can certainly do so over there. Uh, ElbitCityLimits at gmail.com. This one comes in from Kevin. Hey, Will and Lucas. Big fan of the podcast, first time writing. Currently working my way through the backlog, and I'm on season three. You're halfway there. I'm writing you guys to share my thoughts on the portrayal of learning disabilities in Arthur. I'm a freshman education major in college, and I thought George's portrayal of dyslexia in this episode, he's this email was titled, The Boy With His Head in the Clouds Reply. So we're talking about that one. We just talked about that a couple of episodes ago. Check it out on the timeline here. Uh, I don't personally have dyslexia, so I don't know what it's like in a personal way, but I've worked with kids who do and studied the effects of it on a child's education. I think that episode does a good job of introducing the topic to kids with or without dyslexia. This episode also got me thinking about learning disabilities in general, and I realized that Buster would probably be a good candidate for ADHD. Obviously, he has trouble focusing in school and starting assignments, so that's the most obvious sign. He also has hyperfixations like aliens, conspiracy theories, video games, which are things that someone with ADHD gets extremely fascinated by. Also, once Buster gets focused on something, he really gets into it and gets hyper-focused. I've always related to Buster, even as a child, and as someone who has ADHD, he always has a special meaning to me. I doubt they are going to confirm this at this point in the Arthur series, but I like to keep it in the back of my mind. So that's an interesting take on it from Kevin. We did get a little bit of insider uh, um, kind of look at things from your perspective in that episode, Lucas, as you uh, also have dyslexia. But this uh, this read on Buster is uh, is an interesting one as well. It's interesting. I don't know about like um, I, I think, you know what, if that's what you see from the character, then I think that's great. And I think that's a great example of representation. Um you know, I'm someone where, like, sometimes people meet me and they assume I have ADHD. Uh, and that's, uh, we talked about this in the episode briefly, but that's how we figured out I was dyslexic, was I was going to get tested for ADHD and they came up with dyslexia. Mm-hmm. Uh, not sure how that works. But, um, uh, so I don't necessarily think it just the overt uh, symptoms of someone would have ADHD uh, necessarily means they have it. Like, I know a guy in my class uh, in school who has ADHD, uh, and he seems like the most... That just seems like the opposite of what he is, but that's what he has. Um, But then again, like, who am I to say, right? Like, if that's what you see in the character, I think that's wonderful. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I actually got tested for any learning disabilities last year, very late in the game. But I, but like some of these symptoms that Kevin talks about in his email is, is stuff that I relate to myself, and I wondered if maybe it was a sign of ADD or ADHD. It turns out that I don't believe that I have either of those particular disabilities. Uh, but I, I'm aware of kind of the testing that goes into that. And uh, it's I agreed. I do think it's interesting that people can kind of um, read this stuff into their behaviors. And I wouldn't put it past Arthur to someday in the future maybe tackle that very is- issue with Buster. You never know, especially because I feel like now it's becoming a little easier to talk about these kinds of issues within the... Uh, within the realm of like a kid's show. And we also have another email from our friend Pretty Cool Stairs. Hey, Will and Lucas. In my last email, I told you guys about the 2002 Vote-A-Rama special. That was actually in our last episode that uh, just came out last week. Ironically, PBS is doing something similar again right now. There's a selection of 25 shows on the Arthur website where you can pick your top three. It's a pretty good mix of episodes, and about half have already been discussed in the podcast. It sounds like there will be a marathon of these episodes during the weekend of May 11th on the PBS Kids 24-7 live stream and TV channel. So viewing might be limited to the United States, but it's probably worth trying to vote wherever you are. 
And he has the link right here. It is pbskids.org slash Arthur slash marathon. And I think I'm going to vote for my top three episodes right now. So Interesting. I'm t- uh, so I'm going to take a look through here and see which ones we've done. Okay, so um, we have both April 9th episodes. And then I'm going to work my way backwards here. These Now we're starting to get into episodes we've done before. We have Prunella's Special Edition and The Secret Life of Dogs and Babies. The Best of the Nest episodes. We have Ar- Arthur and the Big Riddle and Double Dare. DW tail spins and Prunella gets it twice. Oh, we have the Blizzard episode, and we also have the contest in here as well. The chip. Those are that, that ain't a bad list. Well, those are some certified classics. The chips. Uh, the, the chip duology is in here. Oh my gosh. Uh, Arthur's almost live. Not real music festival. We have oh, uh, Buster's back and the Ballad of Bucks, Buster Baxter. That's a good one. <sighs> we have Arthur meets Mister Rogers. DW Snow Mystery and Team Trouble. We're going all the way back to season one. Yeah, these episodes be hitting. This is hard. Um, we have Arthur and the Crunch Cereal Contest, and we have uh, Arthur and DW's Baby. Um, man, okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna commit to three of these right now. Uh, and we do also have some newer episodes on here. Uh, one of them including the episode that with Neil Gaiman. So that one that has made the rounds before. Okay, so I'm gonna commit to this. I'm gonna pick. I'm gonna vote for Arthur and Arthur's baby and DW's baby. I'm gonna vote for Arthur meets Mister Rogers and draw. And I'm gonna scroll down a little bit more. So this is this is hard. Like some of these. I know. I I'm not committing to picking this on the spot. I would not be able to. I'm gonna pick the blizzard and the rat who came yes. to dinner. And yes. I'm gonna submit my votes. Good. And yeah, okay, so that's going to be on the PBS Kids 24-7 channel and live stream starting at 8, uh, 8 a.m. on Saturday, May 11th. So I will try to make that, uh, and yes, it is restricted to the United States and territories. So uh, thanks for profiting off of, my, uh, off of my choices, United States, and thanks for giving me nothing. That's nice of you. All right, you guys can check that out too, and hopefully you can enjoy the marathon as well. Also, a bit more irony. In one of the transitions for Whom the Bell Tolls, a calendar is seen with the date May 5th. So maybe Will was subconsciously confusing the date when DW lost her voice with Star Wars Day. <laughs> Could be. I do have a friend who's going to Star Wars Celebration, he told me uh, yesterday. So that's, that's in Chicago this year. He's going to get to see the, the new trailer and the new poster before, uh, before me and before everybody. I'm excited to hear about the, uh, the Respawn Entertainment Star Wars game. Mm-hmm. It's um, you it, know I've I'm a I've been having so much fun with Apex and I love the two Titanfall games. Uh, that's what I'm excited for. Yeah, hopefully it's something good, and uh, also pretty cool stairs. Wishing me a congrats on the upcoming wedding. Thank you very much. Enjoy the big day. Just don't let the ring fall down to the organ pipes. I will be watching out for it. And I and I will also say uh, the flower girl in our wedding is 100 times cuter than cousin Cora was. Damn, you hear that, Cousin Cora? Bah, bah! There's some shots from Will. Ha, ha. Coming at, come, yeah, coming at your head top. Um, um, speaking, of, speaking of Cousin Cora also, uh, listener to our show, um, Arthur and Buster BFFL on YouTube. Uh, so April Fool's just happened, and I actually am liking this new trend of where content creators are using April Fool's to kind of go outside of their formula a little bit and just kind of do we, uh, strange or... Uh, offbeat kind of video ideas. For example, uh, former guest on the show Nitro Rad 
had a really great April Fool's special this year. Check it out. And so did Arthur and Buster BFFL with uh, Why You Should Love Cousin Cora. And I really like that video. Uh, I will, I'll try to link that at some point, actually, on our social. So check that out. All right. Thank you both for your lovely emails, Kevin, and pretty cool stares over at Elwood City Limits at gmail.com. Season six is coming to an end. And you know what that means. We're going to be uh, looking at what your favorite episodes of the season are. So let's start thinking about that. As we get into this one, Lucas, it's time we talked about the good sport. And last week I uh, I mentioned that this is uh, one with a special guest in it, and we get them pretty much right away. That's right. We have Michelle Kwan. Michelle Kwan. Which, did you know, how familiar are you with Michelle Kwan, Will? I feel like I don't know about any figure skaters that aren't, like, criminals or Canadians. <laughs> so, Michelle Kwan, mostly by name, of, like, oh, she's, you know, obviously one of the best figure skaters in the world because you know who she is by name. But, honestly, I was not really familiar with any of her figure skating before, during, or after this. In fact, no. doing research for the show was where I kind of looked up a lot of her accolades. Maybe if she had committed a couple more assaults and then had like a, a movie made about her, I would know about her. Or if she had like gone on to become a boxer, or if she uh, had, or if she had like a like a doubles partner that everybody was wondering if they were like kissing or whatever. Bro- yeah, even though they were brother and sister. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or if she was Canadian. But yes. unfortunately, she's none of those things. She's just a famous figure skater, but uh, that's still very impressive in its own right. And you're right, I did know her in name. Um, we get this opening segment where like Arthur's talking about, uh, you know, like growing up and having your friends become a, like a famous person. Yeah. And I feel like we get this imagination sequence. That is one that I think Arthur's done many, many times. And I'm totally fine with that. Cause it's hilarious every time, every time. And it's kind of a really funny trope for this show to like hone it on. But it's like the trope where one of the Arthur kids becomes really successful. And one of them is not so much. Mm-hmm. And like, does all like a remember me? Like this has happened with like Arthur was doing like a big, like concerto, like he was playing like a big piano concert, and then was it D.W. who was like an well, D- orphan? D.W. Who, like... was eating potato chips as like a form of revenge against him. But yeah, like I feel like this has happened multiple times, where like Braid's about to get the the Nobel Prize in the future, and then Pinky's like a waiter, and like it's like Braid, remember? And he like he's like you taught me how to uh, fart in my fart armpit. Noises. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever so? Um, you know, Arthur poses the question, if you ever wonder if any of your friends will become famous, do you, um, Lucas, do you have anybody that you kind of went to school with that oh, ended up being famous? I'm glad you asked. So, um, and then, uh, Francine skates by and she's talking about the 2014 Olympics, which are, I guess, supposed to be the far flung future at this point. Yeah. Big time. Uh, uh, but, uh, uh, Francine's talking about how she's going to compete the 2014 Olympics. And it reminded me that I actually went to high school with a, well, we're not entirely certain. Um, I think uh, she's in the running to be a, a an Olympian at the 2020 Games, uh, Hannah McIntosh, mm. who is going to be representing Canada on the uh, canoe team. I think this is one of the first years they have canoe or some sort of rowing um, that wasn't in the Olympics before but will be in the Olympics now. She's going to be representing Canada, uh, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she's an Olympian. And then, of course, uh, and I think I've talked about this on the, the show before, but I, I had a, even a class with the uh, one of uh, people would say one of the best hockey players in the world. Uh, Nathan McKinnon was in my grade 10 English class uh, before he, of course, you know, brought the Mooseheads to that QMJHL championship and then uh, uh, went on to be the number one draft pick in the NHL and now plays for the Colorado Avalanche. 
Uh, but yeah, th- those are sort of the two, and especially in, ter- in terms of Francie talking about like through athletics becoming famous. Those are the two that I went to school with. I feel like the mark of a real Nova Scotian is when you have a uh, semi-famous to famous hockey player and like you either know somebody who knew them or like because like um, a friend, a friend of mine in junior high his sister dated uh the goalie Jagir for a little while JS Jagir mm-hmm. and um what was the other one? Oh, uh, like and I had, I had friends who like met Sidney Crosby at a party before he was famous and stuff like that or like grew up down the street from him all this kind of stuff. The closest claim to fame that I have of knowing somebody famous is that I went to high school and was high school friends with uh Juno winning producer Ryan Hemsworth. I, I, I've heard you talk about this before. It's funny. I was lamenting the loss of the Ryan Hemsworth posters on Lower Water Street just the other day on Twitter. Mm. Uh, um, it's I, another famous Haligonian. He's got that sick song with E-40. Um, I also, I mean, I didn't go to school at the same time as them, but I went to the same junior high as Ellen Page. She graduated like two <laughs> years before me, though. I went to the same high school as Ellen Page. <laughs> no way. Yeah, yeah. Well, we have that in common. Um, yeah. What other famous people or, do I kind of no, know? No, oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. Um, I, a, a friend of mine, I think, went to the same, I think probably the same junior high as Ellen Page. Yeah, I, I think I, I went to the same high school as Sarah McLaughlin. She, uh, she graduated from my old high school. My ex-girlfriend's dad went to the same high school as Sarah McLaughlin while Sarah McLaughlin was going to that high school, and he did not have kind things to say about her. So that's that um, I find that I find is something that like you'll I hear from a lot of people is like in fact with all these people that I mentioned so far the stories of like people who knew somebody who knew somebody uh, were just like yeah yeah they're like a jerk or da 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 I'm like all right so what whatever kind of thing. Um, but I, I find that's more prevalent than not. And the more I hear people being like, yeah, they're not as nice as you think. I'm just like, well, okay, maybe they're not as, maybe they're not as mean as you think. Anyway, <laughs> some little claims to fame here. I wonder if anybody, if anybody in one of our high school classes is like, I go to, I went to high school with the guy who does the Arthur podcast. <laughs> the Arthur podcast. Yeah. All the time. I bet. Uh, yeah. So I, I, I agree with you. I did like this brief look into the life of old Binky where he's like this uh, waiter at uh, this maitre d' at, at Brain's uh, Nobel Prize session here. And yeah, so Francine would have been looking to go to Sochi, the 2014 Winter Games in Sochi, but I guess she didn't make it. That's too bad. Kind of Arthur and DW are doing this cold open, literally cold open on the <laughs> ice rink. Uh, we see shots of the guest of the show, Michelle Kwan, kind of skating by, and DW's like, hey, isn't that? And Arthur keeps interrupting her. So Michelle Kwan, just a quick rundown for anybody who doesn't know. She is a figure skater. She's a two-time Olympic medalist, a five-time, 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 five-time <laughs> world champion, and a nine-time U- U.S. champion as well. She's the most decorated figure skater in in U.S. history. And she's also retired currently. She's also done a lot of other stuff, including she's made appearances on Arthur, as well as Family Guy, The Simpsons, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, and uh, the direct-to-video sequel sequel Mulan 2. And she also had her own video game, the Michelle Kwan Figure Skating Computer Game. 
Oh, it's not even... I was going to guess if it was like a DS game or not, but no, it's a, a computer game. Interesting. PC game. And fun fact, she was 21 when this episode came out. So by this point, Michelle Kwan was already something of a household name. She was 21, younger than both of us. In fact, she's so famous, Lucas, she gets her own title card. Did you what? notice... Did you notice that? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I did notice that, actually. Um, how she, It's like her, her and who is it with her? Is Fran- it Francine? Francine yeah. yeah. So, and they're like they're rolling Not out. Not only the- that, Will, but I think the most important accomplishment of all is that she is a apparently an alumna. She's from Elwood City in the Arthur universe. From uh, she, Usually, she, yeah. Usually uh, when they introduce these real world characters, they're from like where they're actually from, but they've retconned Michelle Kwan's life to have her be from Elwood City. Yeah, and she went to Lakewood Elementary, at which they're all gathered around a poster uh, celebrating her. And Muffy says, Michelle Kwan went to this dump? <laughs> so that was a really good reading. Uh, so w- Michelle Kwan is in this episode because she is apparently a native of, of Elwood City and a graduate of Lakewood Elementary. And she's going to be presenting the Athlete of the Year Award, which immediately strikes the fancy of Francine, who figures that she's got to be a shoe-in, and Muffy agrees with her. They are both figuring that she has got to be the number one pick for this, and there's even a fantasy of Francine meeting Michelle Kwan. Um, Which is, so the, do you know what this reminded me of, is Francine's talking about how um, like hockey is more difficult and more of a sport than figure skating. Yeah. Um, do you remember that CBC reality show where it was like Dancing with the Stars, but instead of a celebrity being paired up with a dancer, it was literally a figure skater being paired up with a hockey player, and like Ty Domi was on it. Um, it, I feel like there was only one season, but do you have any recollection of this, or am I crazy? I don't. Um... Yeah, there was like this CBC reality show, and um, there was all these hockey players that had never figure skated before, and they would do figure skating routines with like real life figure skaters. They each had a partner, um, and Ty Domi was on it. Ba- uh, Battle of the Blades, it was called. <laughs> yeah, Battle of the Blades. Apparently, this got four seasons, man. What? <laughs> yeah. Let me see here. This uh, might be, for our American listeners, Battle of the Blades might be the most Canadian thing ever. <laughs> that that actually sounds really interesting. I don't know why I missed this. This would have been late 2000s, it looks like. Huh. I can't believe that I didn't, uh, that I wasn't aware of this. By that point, I would have still had, like, cable and stuff, so that's, that's no excuse. Okay. Um... Yeah, there's Ty Domi uh, with Chris. There he is. In season one, there he is. Um, surprisingly, he's, uh, I don't recognize, oh, Theo Fleury, I recognize from the what? second Theo season. What, Theo Fleury was on it? What the heck? Not a whole lot of, I, well, actually, I shouldn't, I shouldn't say, I don't know if these people are like household names or not. It's hard for me to tell. Um, anyway, yeah, Battle of the Blades, and they were doing this for charity. Interesting. Anyway, they, they, they prove Francine's obviously, much like yourself, has not seen Battle of the Blades because they prove that figure skating is as, if not more, difficult than playing hockey in Battle of the Blades. A hundred percent. Some of the, some of the hockey players have quite a difficult time uh, wrapping uh, their heads around it. So a hundred percent. And like even in this fantasy thing here, where it's like Francine thinking about meeting Michelle Kwan, she like immediately is just like. It's you know it's like what's uh you know what's the difference between figure skating and hockey and she's like well hockey's a sport and I'm like oh brother like uh, from the way from immediately just the way that Francine was kind of 
talking down to figure skating, I was like, I cannot wait for Francine to get hers by the end of this episode. <laughs> Not in a way of just like I like malevolent or anything. I'm just like they're clearly building up Francine for a fall here, and I'm really excited to see how that happens. So uh, Michelle Kwan's going to be presenting this Athlete of the Year award. Um, Mr. Uh, Mr. Haney's making the announcement of who's it going to be, mm-hmm. um, and Francine's all pumped up. She thinks she's a shoe in. Um, but then it turns out and like, it's a kind of ridiculous to the way, like everybody's like, everybody's pointing at Francine and smiling. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but then he announces it's Jenna who we haven't seen in a, in a minute now. Yeah. Um, and Francine even, we, we get the old cheer, even though like, you're so certain you don't even hear them say the other name. Francine cheers, excuse me, thinking it was her, but then it's Jenna. Jenna gets the uh, award for her, her badminton. Badminton. Yeah, yeah um, Jenna's not really a regularly featured character just yet. I'm looking forward to when we can kind of use her a bit more. So this was a nice way to kind of do it, and we did we did get a moment of. I know that this has this exact thing has happened at an awards show like semi recently, where like somebody thinks they've won and they're getting up and walking, and then they like have to stop. I've, uh, but Francine literally does that, and Arthur's just like, "It's not you," and she's like, "What?" Um, so Francine, like Jenna is. Um, like Francine was all ready for this to be her. And Jenna is also very humble. She's basically almost taken by surprise. It seems like she just goes up to the podium, just like, um, wow. Thank, thank you. You know, not, not exactly as, uh, charismatic, let's say as Francine. And she immediately appeals to principal Haney about this decision, uh, which, you know, is totally going to get you. It's going to get Francine on your good side. Uh, I will say here, uh, Herb Haney was one of the most centrist, like, <laughs> medium take things to say. He's just like, you know, how Francine's like, how could you make Jenna the athlete of the year? And he just goes, making choices is never easy, Miss Frensky. And I'm just like, yeah, Mister Mister Haney's the Mister Haney's the Beto O'Rourke <laughs> of uh, Ooh, timely of Arthur characters. I'm surprised we haven't seen Mister Haney uh, photographed standing on a table and talking about how much he loves punk music. <laughs> um, but yeah, Francine uh, talks about how she doesn't even think badminton's a real sport, which obviously she hasn't seen. Uh, I forgive me for butchering this pronunciation. Hanabado, Hanabado, that that badminton anime. That shit was intense. <laughs> she says no one's had like a bloody nose from badminton, which is like that can't be true. <laughs> I feel like people get hurt playing badminton all the time. Uh, so I, I mean, it's not my place to say how intense badminton is or isn't, but it is like, so Jenna is a badminton player. She plays on another team, which I'm missing. Like Francine is countering this by being like, I'm the captain of this team. I'm the captain of this team. She says, I'm the captain of my temple's basketball team, which another uh, reference to the fact that Francine is Jewish. And, uh, she also says she's the only person that could sit on Binky's head, which apparently should count as... Uh, an athletic endeavor. But aside from Jenna being on multiple teams, she's also a volunteer coach for the, I think it was the wheelchair basketball team. And she like volunteers, volunteers her time, which Francine definitely doesn't do. And I, and right away I was just like, okay, that makes a lot of sense why they would make that decision. So Francine isn't able to kind of see past the kind of um, the quantity of her athletic involvements as opposed to the quality of them, I guess you could say. And 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 by uh, by converse here, like Francine looks, you know, very petty, and eventually, like we cut to her, and she's like wailing and crying to Muffy that she didn't get 
the award. Whereas, you know, hearing about Jenna from Principal Haney, like she sounds like a really nice person. Yeah, especially like all their outreach that she's doing to help. Again, Principal Haney says it's less based on academic achievement. It's more about, you know, Jenna's overall mentality of helping others is what's greatly contributed to uh, her being regarded as such a good athlete. It's kind of like when John Cena gets all those awards for uh, uh, visiting all the Make-A-Wish Foundation kids, even when he's not the champion, uh, to put it in wrestling terms. Uh, But uh, Muffy is firmly on Team Francine. She drafts up a petition uh, and she's sort of standing in front of the school trying to get people to sign it. Arthur chimes in saying that, isn't this going to hurt? Arthur, dressed like me, by the way, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, um, chimes in and says that, uh, um, you know, isn't this going to hurt Jenna's feelings? Muffy doesn't really care. Uh, continues to hand out the petitions uh, and says it doesn't. she doesn't care if it even takes a whole hour until she kind of succumbs to the cold and calls her dad to come pick her up. Yeah, I mean... <sighs> We kind of have to search for nice things to say about Muffy. This will seem like a backhanded compliment because she goes too far oh, with no, this. Oh no, yeah. But I, but I, 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 I'm, I'm with with it. I think I know what you're about to say, and I'm with you on this one. She say what you will about Muffy. She is dedicated to Francine. She's ride or die. She is for sure, and that is admirable in its own way. But it's also not in ways we'll get into. Um, I will say also in the um in the scene where like Francine is crying to Muffy, I really love the delivery of her like bawling out the, the things that Haney said to her. It's just like, it really does emphasize a lot of what Francine's character is. And I think that a lot of the stuff that she does in this episode is very true to her character versus the last episode we were talking about, uh, where DW lost her voice, where we felt like people were kind of not either acting out of character or just not acting like, super likable this is definitely even though francine isn't likable in this episode it's definitely true to who she is as a person like her having this tantrum about like i play all of the sports and i'm so good why am i also why am i not getting the thing is absolutely a hundred percent her like you said muffy kind of has the um i'm just looking at arthur here uh what he was dressed as uh yeah so she is unsuccessful with the petition because nobody wants to sign it um, but we get, uh, eventually Francine does a, um, kind of a 180 here be- uh, at the request of Oliver Frensky, who, again, I miss dearly and I wish we got more of. Well, um, but I, a little goes a long way. So he has this great line with Francine where he's like, well, I think you should, you know, be the bigger person about this. Mm-hmm. And Francine's like, well, why? And he's like, well, that's just like the right thing to do. It also would make me proud of you. And it's like, oh, it's a solid reasoning. But Francie kind of interprets the wrong lesson from this. It's also, she kind of she kind of goes overboard with being the bigger person. It's also a comedy cut because, like, at the next day at school, Francine's like, I decided to be the bigger person about it. And then we do a flashback to her and her dad. She's like, why do I have to be the bigger person about it? <laughs> so, yeah. So she's interpreting this in a way that ends up being more hurtful. So she is um, being the the good sport of the episode. You know, she's like the next day in school, she organizes, you know, uh, applause for Jenna, but holds it a little bit too long and then begins to uh, organize a party for her to celebrate her winning the award. Uh, we get a line here from Buster. Uh, I can't remember exactly. Oh, if they I, said- I do. He goes, oh, it's good. called the grape wall of China. Get it? The grape wall. So we only hear the end of the joke. Yeah. 
I, I, I uh, can't I wrote, imagine what the start of the joke would be. I wrote this down because it has been a long time since I've heard the punchline. Get it? Punchline? Well, that- and then we, we, we sort of get that uh, a callback to that joke when Francine's talking about organizing, again, trying a little too hard to be the bigger person, almost spitefully. Uh, she talks about organizing a party for Jenna yes. to celebrate her athletic accomplishments. And she says, a party. P-A-R-T-Y. Get it? Mm-hmm. Uh, and they do end up organizing this party in rap a a bagel party a bagel party in Rapper's classroom. I gotta say, there's a shot here of Binky with every one of his fingers has a bagel in it. I think about that a lot. Yeah, um, that's how I'm trying to be. That is definitely <laughs> that's a big move right there. Is is bagel hands? Uh, and maybe think like I don't know how like is this just an Arthur thing or do people actually have bagel parties where there's just a big old bowl of bagels in the middle? But um. Boy, do I ever like bagels. Bagels are great. And uh, I think we should, uh, next next time you and me do a commentary, I'll bring a thing of bagels. Yeah, let's go. Some of the Montreal kind. Yeah, ooh, um, I'll have to, go, I'll have to go looking for those. Well, I don't know. Maybe Pete's Fritique might have them. Pete's, I'll, Pete's uh, has them. Pete's I'll has get... them. There's a couple of bagel plates. There's that one on, uh, this is great radio, by the way, for all of our <laughs> out of Nova Scotia <laughs> listeners. But there's a there's the bagel place on Quibpool, and there's the bagel place on, uh, there's, there's a place called Bagel 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 that's in like a strip mall in Dartmouth uh, on your way to the McDonald Bridge. I pass it all the time. Oh, I just, I, you know what? I just passed by a bagel place on the Bedford Highway. It's like Izzy's Bagels or something. Okay. Once anyway. again, amazing. Hey, if any of you the listeners ever find yourself in the Hal HRM area, now you know which bagel <laughs> places to go to. Yeah, we, you can have your own bagel party. You don't even need directions. <laughs> so we get we do get this bagel party in Rapper's class. Um, you know, Francine is very aggressively singing for she's a jolly good fellow. Like she's really trying to pour this on, and then like. Francine, like, she makes a speech, and it's, like, very clear that she cannot hide her contempt for Jenna. She's just like, you know, um, you, you know, we all, it's like, we all, we all think Jenna's great, even though I was supposed to win, and all I that, know. those kind of, like, really backhanded compliments, um, which does seem to be making Jenna a little uncomfortable, and, I mean, it's making everybody uncomfortable, and Ratburn, like, shuts the party down, because he can kind of see where it's coming from, and... It's the next day at school. Um, <laughs> there's a great poster that Francine and Muffy make up. I love the picture of Francine looking angelic on the poster. She's like... I was just going to say, I have it paused. At the, Francine is like, who, me? Yeah, she's she's, she's got her hands clasped almost like in prayer. It's really funny. Um, she has and- athlete of the year in scare quotes. <laughs> oh, I didn't notice that. Oh, that's so mean. Yeah, it's like a come one, come all to a party for Jenna Morgan. And hang on, I'm just waiting for... I have the video really slowed down so I can play it in the background. I'm just waiting for it to get to this scare quotes. That's so mean. Like, it's... Uh, oh, man, there it is. That sucks. Um, hosted by Francine. Well, speaking uh, about mean, uh, Muffy... So Jenna kind of freaks out and runs into the bathroom, well, yeah, knocking over paint and... She, and, and, and Small detail, uh, Muffy walks through the paint. You can see her footsteps in the sure. shot as they're leaving the bathroom. But well, uh, Muffy yes, goes go goes the F off. Muffy starts laying into Jenna. This this is, like, maybe the most heartless Muffy's ever been. Like, she is contemptible at this moment. Because we see, like, Jenna has this reaction. She just sees a poster and is like, oh, oh, no. And then sees Francine and Muffy putting up more posters. And she's like, just, like, stop, like, doing all this. Uh, and like 
Muffy takes it entirely the wrong way. Like almost in a, I don't know. She it's it's like real kind of like she's trying to be a villain here because she's just like I'm gonna give her a piece of my mind. And Jenna's literally like crying in the bathroom, and Muffy's like, "How dare you!" Like you know, not be appreciative of what we're doing for you. And it's just like, oh my God, read the room, Crosswire. <laughs> hey, she's ride or die, like we said before. And and Jenna and Jenna even admit like admits to herself she's she's crying here. And she's just like, you know, Muffy says something about like how, you know, you shouldn't have even won athlete of the year. And Jenna's like, don't you think I know that? Don't you think I know that like Francine's so much better of an athlete than I am, and she like runs out of the bathroom crying, which Francine did overhear, and and kind of rebukes uh, Muffy. And one of the closest analogs to swearing that we'll ever get in Arthur, Francine tells Muffy to stuff it, <laughs> like she's reading an Archie comic or something. Anyway, uh, emotions are high, but Jenna is uh, going to a special banquet that is televised for some reason. Must be on like public access or something. Mm. Uh, a televised ceremony for the athlete of the year, which Michelle Kwan is hosting, and Francine is like torturing oh, herself. So yeah, so this is my favorite part of the whole episode is like baby boomer Francine yelling at the TV. <laughs> uh, like this is just great. Like this is like any scene in like an eighties movie where like a drunk person's like, "That should have been me up there." <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's like there's no one else in her apartment for some reason, and Francine's just like vindictively being like, "Oh, please!" Like watching the TV, like hopping around her room to no one in particular. Uh, I loved this. Yeah, she's just making fun of uh, of we get to, we get to this part where she's openly mocking figure skating, which again I find very strange, especially because Francine, you know, has learned how to skate and knows how difficult that that process must have been. So, you know, dancing on skates not easy, and I'm kind of a little surprised she didn't know that. But also, well, it's, I, it's not just you telling her that because then Michelle Kwan pulls a uh, uh, you know a ringu. And jumps out of the TV, pulling Francine into the TV dimension. Brings her into video land like she's Captain N or something. Exactly. And so we get this dream sequence where Michelle Kwan, and this is what I was waiting for the whole episode, and we do get a great payoff to this. So it's like Francine being really crummy the whole episode to Jenna and also about like figure skating. So in her dream, Francine is forced to put on figure skates as Michelle Kwan literally skates circles around her. And it's just like, it's just like, I guess this is harder than you thought, huh? And Francine like, stop, it's too hard. It's great. It's so good. Uh, and then she eventually wakes up. It was indeed a dream, a very, a very specific, uh, very specific haunting dream. And Francine goes to school the next day and does make up with Jenna, uh, apologizes for her. In fact, Jenna extended the olive branch where she almost didn't have to. She got a signed poster of Michelle Kwan, but signed to Francine, the best athlete at Lakewood elementary, the best hockey player at a Lakewood elementary. So that was really, again, really nice of Jenna to do. She seems like a very decent, I was almost said human being, uh, character. She seems like a very decent character. And, uh, you know, they kind of end off with, like, Francine being like, I still figure, still think figure skating's kind of, kind of goofy. And Jenna's being, Jenna says, um, that's okay. I still think hockey's kind of dumb. And, uh, that's where this episode ends. No word from us kids this time. No. Except, except (laughs) from us. (laughs) We'll be right back. 
Hi there, Elwood City Limits listener. Just a quick note here from your buddy, your pal, Will Young, that this show is supported by all of you listeners just like you by the following ways. Facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits. Twitter at ECL Podcast. Tumblr, ElwoodCityLimits.tumblr.com. And Instagram at Elwood City Limits. Drop us a line on social media. We'd love to hear from you and give us a like, a heart, whatever it is. Email ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. You can get your email read here on the air. Just send it to us and uh, let us know what you think of the episode, of the show, of anything in particular that we might have talked about or that's on your mind. And you can find the podcast by going to ElwoodCityLimits.Libsyn.com and you can find it at your local podcast provider. Now, if the show is not on a service that you use all the time and you'd like to change that, make sure to drop us a line and we will get it on there as soon as possible. All right, let's get back to the episode now, already in progress. Okay, we're back. And so, we there were... is, so the, not to cut you off, Will, but the reason no, go ahead. We, we were just talking about how we didn't get to see a word from us kids in the video we were watching, and I really felt that this time because the next episode immediately starts with a cold open, and I had to like rewind this like three times. I was <laughs> like, uh, I was like, whoa, 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 what? <laughs> You felt like you needed a little bit of a of a palate cleanser before you got into the next uh, story here. Yeah, a little bit of like let's say whiplash, uh, because this next opening shot that like the very first audio visual this is almost indescribable. I encourage anybody listening to this podcast to look this up themselves. Um, let me just say that okay, so <laughs> we open on Buster sitting on a porch, strumming. It is it a banjo? Yeah. Yes, it's a banjo, and he's got like a, a pork pie hat, and, and 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 cowboy pants and boots, and he's singing this country song, which I can only describe as. Will, are you feel familiar with the song? It's the all the rage with the Zoomers right now. Old, uh, old town roads. Uh, by Lil, we, I, Lil Nas X. We 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 have the same note here because I said Buster <laughs> playing the role of Little Nas X. Okay, got them horses in the back. So as we all know, uh, Old Town Roads is uh, a certified. It, it's a hitter. It is like definitely like song of the summer, if not song of the year right now. Early contender. Uh, yeah, it's all right. Uh, tr- truly a, a seminal uh, uh, mixing of of hip hop and country. Not since. Uh, Lil Tracy and Lil Uzi Vert's uh, um, Like a Cowboy. Uh, like, no, excuse me, Like a Farmer. Not since Lil Uzi Vert and Lil Tracy's Like a Farmer. Yeehaw, I'ma pick up your daughter. Uh, uh, not since that have we heard such a such a combination, a blending of genres. And, and Buster comes in with this country song, which might be, and it might be because I, I it's definitely the most new to me. I have not heard it before. Might be my favorite, like, Arthur song since, like, the Art Garfunkel days of old. Like, this song is incredible. It's really good. And I will say also Buster's voice actor, Daniel Brochu, doing a very good country type of accent throughout the song. It's so – the point of the song is that it is the cold open of it – like, I don't even know what the title would be, but it just kind of – uh, you know, stuff that feels bad. Uh, you know, like, uh, if I may borrow one of the lines, history tests are crummy, soggy toast ain't yummy, and the weatherman on the radio, he just lied. Oh my gosh, those are like, what, uh, what a poet. Or when you're playing with your poodle, 
He bites you on your noodle. You hit your head on the bed. That's got to smart. But nothing feels so bad, makes you so darn sad, as to when a babysitter sits upon your heart. And this is directed at Arthur, who then gets incredibly nervous, calls for the song to be stopped, and is just like, can we like cut we're we're not doing a show this week but then buster's like no come on it's a good story and uh he even says roll the tape greg which is a reference to arthur director greg bailey oh not since um in degeneration x's theme uh or no it's triple h's old theme where it's like (laughs) get your figure yeah where it's like get your figure off the switch done (laughs) yo done keep your finger off the switch (laughs) All your stupid rules. <laughs> I love that song. I unironically love that song. It's all right. It's 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 pretty good. Yeah, this was a really inventive cold open and like immediately catches your attention. It's really fun. I, I thought this was a great idea. So the episode begins where Arthur and DW are in need of a babysitter because mom and dad are going out. A, a real black tie affair. They're dressed to the nines here. Well, they're going to the opera. The opera. That's right. Thank you. Um, yeah. And so Arthur is lamenting who the babysitter will be because normally one of their uh, normal babysitters is Mrs. Grouse, who apparently makes them dance. Arthur doesn't go into any uh, details, neither does DW, but, you know, DW just says, I like Mrs. Grouse. She makes us dance. And Arthur's like, I hate that, though. And it's Uh, like, yeah, I wrote down makes us dance WTF. I was like. I would despise that as a child. Yeah, I also put a big question mark after that one. I'm just like, okay. But apparently they are having a new babysitter whose name is Sally McGill. And Arthur, again, is thinking that this is going to be like some kind of monster who's going to be babysitting them. His his vision of Sally McGill is like this woman in a button-down shirt with like rollers in her hair and a rolling pin who's like making him scrub the kitchen. It's basically like the trunch bowl from Matilda. <laughs> uh, uh, I I, I wrote yeah. down uh, you know I've had many babysitters that kind of look like this woman I don't know if they acted the same way uh, but Sally McGill um, or at least Buster uh, Arthur's imaginary imagining of her was fairly true to life uh, and also Will have you ever had like a babysitter you didn't like that you like hated I don't remember um, not off the top of my head I mean I, you know there have been Ones that I gelled with better than others, but I don't remember any that I, like, especially hated. Did you? Mm, yeah, definitely. Well, it's funny. Um, I was actually having this conversation with my parents the other day. We were, me and my sister were, like, uh, waxing poetic about, oh, remember all our babysitters? And mm-hmm. all my little sister's memories of her babysitters were, like, all the bad things that they, like, she just every time a babysitter would yell at us or whatever. I didn't have any of the same memories. And it's funny because this the next thing this episode shows – all my memories of my babysitters was whatever video game console they had at the time. So it's like, okay, when I went to Nicola's place, they had an N64 so I could play Smash on it. Um, when I went to uh, Emily from across the street's place, she had a PlayStation 1 with Crash Bandicoot 3. Uh, when I went to Susie's place, she had a NES, and then eventually at a flea market, she bought an N64. Um, but, like, those are literally the only memories I have of each babysitter is whatever game console they had at the time. That's funny. Uh, one of the one of my regular babysitters when I was younger was is my sister's friend, who I still keep in contact with. Uh, Savannah. She had a Sega Genesis, and that was the Ooh. first first place I played that. She had Sonic the Hedgehog and X Men, so that was that was great. Every time I'd go over to her place, I'd play Sega Genesis. Um, 
Yeah, so Arthur... Is, not, is that the X-Men game where Magneto's like, welcome to die? No, that's X-Men, like, the, like, brawling game. This is, like, kind of a platformer a little bit. This is, like, you get to pick between Cyclops, Wolverine, Nightcrawler, and Gambit. So, no, not no, not that one. It's, uh, the the sound of it is very, very Genesis. So, j- check it out on YouTube. It's I think it's just called X-Men. Um... Yeah, so Arthur is very much not looking forward to Sally McGill. She shows up. Uh, she's quite young. Uh, Mom says that she's 16. And she's rocking that bucket hat because that, as was the style at the time. Yeah, she's coming through like schoolboy Q. I, I, I was big into, so like I wore baseball caps a lot when I was younger. And then I did have a bucket hat phase when I was like 10 or 11. You were ahead of the curve again. If if you were rocking that in like 2013, you would have been a cool guy. Mm. Uh, never been in danger of that. Anyway, uh, Arthur is anticipating that she's gonna like lay down the law essentially, but in, no, it turns out that Sally wanted to ask him what his favorite ice cream flavor is between Chunky Skunk and Choco Chimp. So I'm guessing Choco Chimp is probably chocolate and banana flavored i'm just wondering what chunky skunk might be hmm. well i mint? assume it's like white and black uh oh yeah okay there we go um maybe so it's like, like wowie maybe it's like wowie cowie <laughs> lucas what's wowie cowie just for uh, for our non-maritime uh, listeners uh, wowie cow i actually don't remember the specifics of let's go to cows.ca by I the way like would the- you wait a minute whoa okay this is this is a very regional episode of Elwood City Limits because I have to comment on this, and that is when you type in Wowie Cowie into Google, the yes. first result is, of course, the Wowie Cowie Cows flavor, which is a, a local uh, ice cream franchise. But the second result is CowieWowie.ca, which is uh, – well, if you had to guess what Cowie Wowie was, uh, what would you say? Because uh, – um... Is it a toy? No, it's a craft producer of sun-grown cannabis what? in Cowichan Valley, Vancouver Island, home of the world-famous BC Bud. Mail order your cannabis today. For goodness sakes. That's like that's not even a different name. You just rearranged it. Uh, Wowie Cowie is vanilla English toffee marble chocolate flakes and moo crunch. What is moo crunch, you ask? Well, uh, <laughs> I, I will never know. <laughs> It, I feel like this is also becoming one of our episode tropes is you typing something into Google to figure it out. <laughs> I had Wowie. I remember I had Wowie Cowie once when I was very young. Cow's ice cream. If you're ever down in Nova Scotia, check out Cow's ice cream. It's pretty or good. P- although or, the, or PEI. Although, although, or, or yes, in PEI. Although usually the lines around here are really long. Um, yeah, so Chunky Skunk and Choco Chimp. Very good uh, looking out for that one, Lucas. Uh, yeah, so Arthur essentially kind of brushes her off first, but... We later find Sally and DW playing a game called Dark Bunny 6 Attack of the Moomy on what looks to be a PlayStation, but if the controller was shaped like the Wu-Tang W. Yeah, it's well, maybe they have the Wu-Tang controllers that came with um, uh, uh, Shaolin. Oh, sh- Shaolin uh, style. Uh, yeah, Shaolin yeah, style? Shaolin style. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that would, she, she would be upgraded, <laughs> Sally would be upgraded to best babysitter of all time if she did that. Um... Yeah, it, it only kind of hit me when I was watching this episode of just like, uh, you know, Arthur comes in and he's like, wow, you have this game? And Sally's like, and he and Sally start playing it. It only kind of dawned on me that like, hey, wait a second. This is like a cartoon 
that is showing a girl as a prominent gamer and not making like a huge deal about it. That's really <laughs> cool. Not to say not to say that like you know that sh- shouldn't be encouraged uh, or any, or celebrated in a sense, but it's just like it. It's funny how you know gamer identity became such a th- would become such a thing like ten years later, and here it is. This episode in like two thousand two thousand one. It's just like yeah. She plays video games. In fact, we find out later she plays video games more than both Ar- than both Arthur and Buster, and her- and her own boyfriend. Like her own boyfriend doesn't like video games. Well, yeah. She- like I, I mean, like this again. This is true to life. Like this happened to me. Like when I my next door neighbor Emily, who was like sixteen when I was like I don't know eight or whatever, uh, would babysit me, and they had a PS One with Crash Bandicoot three, and I would literally just like play Crash Bandicoot three for three hours trying to get all Cortex, and uh, she would play it too. Like this is like a very true to life situation. Yeah, and I think that um, it's you know you re- you don't realize when you know it gets. You know, people get rip, whipped up into such a fervor about it, but it's like, yeah, girls play video games and they've been playing well, them for a long time. Like, I mean, this yeah, I, I, I would say, I mean, I would even take that one step further and be like, everybody plays video games. Like, literally, everybody plays video games. And so, for like, sure. to like have that as like an identity, like that's why I, I like I identify as a quote unquote capital G gamer. Gamer is like, okay, listen, like there really isn't that much separating you from like a stay at home mom who just plays Farmville all day. Like you're both just playing video games. So mm-hmm. the idea that, uh, that, that someone would use that as an identifier, it's not even a matter of like boys or girls. As far as I'm concerned, it's like, yeah, like you play video games. Like, so does everybody. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so Arthur and uh, Sally play this long into the night until mom and dad come home. Dad dropping a line that I never thought that I would ever hear in this show, where he says, "Sorry, Arthur, Rigoletto is a short opera." All right, opera references. <laughs> uh, so Arthur very disappointed that Sally has to go. In fact, he's kind of uh, like he's he hangs around the door after um, after Sally leaves, and he's kind of like a little bit entranced. Oh. So this is kind of like. Hmm, Arthur feels a certain way about his uh, cool babysitter. Uh, Rigoletto is a short opera. It's only 65 minutes. Wow. Oh, my goodness. That's like, I hope they had dinner as well. I I know. Like, what a waste of an evening. Like, you go out, (laughs) get all dressed up. Uh, So at this point, Arthur is trying to concoct scenarios for mom and dad to go out so that Sally can come back and babysit them. We get like a forum on speed bumps in the community. Uh, He recommends Wagner's Ring Cycle, which is a nine hour opera for them to go to. And eventually they bite when he has a a coupon for like 20% off at Trattoria Verde, which dad has been wanting to go to. And so Arthur, I I, I got to say, um, I really love the mundane local happenings of Elwood City. It, remind, it reminded me of like our time in like rural Nova Scotia, where uh, it's like the radio, like be like we got uh, something at like the Friars a, Club, like yeah, we got a clam bake going on, we got a Ooh. couple yard sales in the community, we got a dancing lesson, we got the yeah the Friars Club. It's it's adds a nice little bit of local flavor to Elwood City. I liked it. Uh, but unfortunately, the you know mom and dad eventually do go out, but Mrs. Grouse ends up babysitting them instead of Sally, much to Arthur's chagrin. And by making them dance, we find out that she just kind of has the kids do swing dancing in the living room for some reason. 
I believe I believe she says I believe DW says something like you know it helps with arthritis and Arthur's like I don't have arthritis. After this, we get an interlude with stick figure animation, which I was just gonna say we haven't had for a really long time, and I think mm-hmm. this one's a little like this one is. I know we, I always invoke uh, the holy name of Teen Girl Squad. Uh, it's either sticking around or Teen Girl Squad that we talk about, but this one especially looks like Teen Girl Squad. Uh, I don't know why, but like this, like just the way the bodies are drawn, uh, the black and white. Um, the fact that I guess Arthur's doing it, and so you could almost, and the fact that he kind of saves his babysitter and almost is like, and the babysitter's like my hero at the end, is like exactly how like that episode of Teen Girl Squad where like Strong Bad shows up and then like all the Teen Girls are in love with him and they're like, oh, Strong Bad! Like, I can't even do the voice. But oh, it's like, hey, the ugly one. Oh, yeah, it's like, oh, hey, the ugly one. And they're like, oh, Strong Bad! That's so. <laughs> oh, it's so hard to do. <laughs> I miss video uh, games. I miss yeah. my mom. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, you're right. It does. It does look like it's improved. We have seen like the kids do stick figure animation before, and Arthur's doing this one obviously because of how much he likes Sally. Uh, but he's also very embarrassed about it. Buster catches him, not not really catches him. He just asks him what he's doing, and he's just like, uh, "Oh, uh, nothing. Don't you have some reading to do?" Because they're at the library at the time. Um, eventually Sally does babysit them again because they are going to, mom and dad have to fill in at like a renaissance fair. Yeah. Uh, Arthur's dad is in a full suit of armor. No undershirt. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. I hope it's, I hope there's a breeze or something. Cause <laughs> if there's any heat, that's going to be rough goings. Mom at least has like, you know, the, the classic like Guinevere costume with like the big hat and like the dress and everything. They're like filling in it for catering at like a renaissance fair or something. Um, I was wondering if mom and dad had those costumes ready to go or if they were supplied. I, 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 I like to think that Dave's ready for any occasion that he needs to cater, that it's his own personal suit of armor. So mom mentions that uh, Sally is bringing over a friend to babysit them. Uh, so that night, uh, he and Sally get ready to play some more uh, Dark Bunny 6, but the doorbell rings, and it turns out that the person that is helping Sally to babysit is her boyfriend, Corey. And I loved this. In just one line, we get an idea of, like, he are, like we, Corey only has basically this one line, apart from another line that he has in, like, a fantasy of Arthur's. And he already, like, just seems like a geek. He's, you know, got this blonde hair that comes over his face, and he just holds up the peace sign and just goes, Hey, dude. Yeah, I Corey's definitely uh, uh, the throwaway character of the week. Throwaway character of the week. Uh, Corey, uh, I hate him and he rules. I love Corey. Like, Corey's like, yo, man, little Arthur, bro. What's up? I'm Corey. <laughs> uh, Corey, this is what we know about Corey. He's got yeah. cool hair. Like, cool, uh, cool, cool and scare quotes, right? Cool hair. Cool hair. Uh, he sucks at video games. Um, doesn't play them. Like Sally mentions later that he doesn't play video games at all, which again, kind of bucking the stereotype a little bit. I'm not a gamer, bro. It's just me, Corey, <laughs> in the house. He Yo, does, he what's d- up, little little aardvark man? What's going on? <laughs> I feel like my Corey is just like it's dangerously becoming like Polly Shore, like. Leading Tower Cheese. It's 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 a little bit of Polly Shore and like a little bit of Matt Riddle. 
Oh, yeah, what's up? It's Corey, bro. <laughs> Shaka. <laughs> it's me, Corey. <laughs> Yo, hey, guys, Corey, what's up? Hey, Arthur, have you ever heard of 311? <laughs> Woo! It's Corey. <laughs> I love this, Corey. I wish we got Yo. more of this, Corey. <laughs> Corey, my man. Arthur, my man. Um, uh, so, yo. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> you have to stop. We have to keep going. Uh, all right. I love that. Um, yeah, so Arthur immediately is kind of put off by the fact that Sally has a boyfriend and seems to be, well, Corey. Uh, in fact, we get a little bit of a different comic that Arthur is oh drawing. Oh my god! What is he? What is the line he gives Corey? I, I got like... I got it right here. It's um, so you know Sally's being attacked by one of the sheep from the video game again, um, and she's like, "Help me, Arthur!" And he's like, "Why don't you get your boyfriend to do it?" And then Corey comes in the comic. He's just like, "I'm just a dorky, floppy-haired teenager. I could barely see." And then the sheep eats them and just like, it's a little violent. And we get like, it's a little bit like Arthur the incel over here. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. This gamer girl, uh, uh, she could be with like a gamer like me, but she only wants to be with like, like jerk, like airheaded jerks like Corey. Meanwhile, I think, you know, what Corey might lack in personality and style uh, and gaming prowess, uh, he makes up for with just an insurmountable amount of BDE. Right. Wait, I, that's B- it. That's wait, wait, BDE? Oh, well, come on. Have you forgotten the entirety of early 2019 already? Oh. Google, it, Google it real quick. Oh, what is this? Okay. Um, BDE. I'm, I'm, I'm going to feel. I can't believe you've forgotten I'm, about this one. I'm going to I'm gonna feel like a fool. We talked about BDE oh, with for Pete's, Daddy. Oh, for Pete's sake. I just well. forgotten about it. <laughs> For goodness, for goodness sakes, Lucas, I had successfully forgotten about this nonsense, and you you bring it back into my life here. What's going on? Oh, I was so shocked I dropped my microphone. <laughs> um, it's also because I, I I had never, I rarely hear it referred to as BDE, but for the purposes of this podcast, we will continue to do so. Oh, I'm always calling it that. I'm always, I'm always thinking about it, and I'm always calling about it, and uh, Corey, I'm sorry, folks. He's got it. Uh, yeah, we get, yeah, it's, yeah, 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 Corey the Chad over here and Arthur the Virgin. <laughs> uh, yeah, especially considering that like video games are in the mix. This is like gave me a little bit of like incel douche chill, but it's all it's it, it does it ends up okay by the end of the episode. Arthur is crushed, as the episode title says. Uh, and Buster finds him again doing this kind of revenge comic and <laughs> at the Sugar Bowl, to which Arthur's like, don't you have some reading to do? And he's like, what? We're not the library. We're at the Sugar Bowl. Um, uh, Buster ends up giving Arthur advice about, like, I wish I'd written it down. I'm sorry I didn't. But it just just like uh, this kind of general advice of just, like, you, you know, you, you give her an inch and she walks all over you and stuff like this. I, me- I remember something like that. And Arthur thinks that he's talking about Sally. So in order to get Arthur's mind off of it, Buster invites him over to his place for a sleepover. But it turns out that they have a babysitter that night, and it's Sally. And Buster, Arthur... in, in this scene, playing the role of the men's group chat. Uh, keep your head up, king. Your crown's falling. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you. 
Uh, anyway, I'm just uh, it, being supportive, Will. What's the problem? <laughs> Gross. Um, Buster, of course, d- did not know anything about Sally. We find out later he was talking about the boss of the video game, whose name is No Calaridi, the mommy of all moomies, for the record. Uh, so Buster, like Arthur, kind of storms off to Buster's room to read comics. Uh, and basically stay away from Sally. But Sally brings him in some pizza, and they end up kind of, not so much making up, but uh, just kind of, um, you know, Sal- Sally saying how much she likes hanging out with him and how much she likes playing video games with him. And thankfully, Arthur accepts that. They, he he appreciates that uh, he, he can... God help me. That he can do something that Corey can't, which is play video games with her. This is like this is the discussion where she's like, "Yeah, Corey doesn't like to play video games with me, so uh, that's why I had so much fun playing with you." So thankfully, thankfully, there's a big age gap here, so we don't have to deal with any of like the romantic inferences of this. And I really hope Arthur doesn't grow up to be a forever alone. Like, like if he goes down the wrong path, he could be. But I have faith. Let's keep Arthur away from Reddit, and he'll be fine. Oh, big time. The episode uh, ends off here with Arthur, Buster, and Sally unsuccessfully uh, trying to beat Dark Bunny 6. It must be like Sekiro levels of difficult. And Buster, again, he's just he's just like, I told you, Arthur. Uh, it's like she walks all over you. And he's like, I thought you were talking about something else. He's like, no, I was talking about the game. What do you think I was talking about? And... Buster trying to get it out of him, Arthur denying it. And we see actually here the final shot is Buster closing his the door to his bedroom, and we see a dedication here in memory of Pat Harris, friend and colleague. Now, I did a bit of research on this. I could not exactly find out who Pat Harris was, but I thought this was a very um, tasteful way to do it, a tasteful way to put up a tribute to somebody. I wish I, I, I wish I knew more, uh, to be honest with you. And if anybody has any information about who past Pat Harris was, to the uh, to the Arthur staff or on the mm. Arthur staff, please let us know. And that's the end of that episode. Any anything else before we get into final thoughts, there, Lucas? No, I also tried to Google Pat Harris, which I'm not sure why I did because it's like, why would my like ancillary Google search come up with anything other than you? Though a um, a Pat Harris of the Nova Scotia Barrister Society recently <laughs> passed away. Man, speaking speaking of local content, CanCon. This 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 Elwood City Limits episode is rife with GanCon. Called to the Nova Scotia Bar in 1958. Rest in peace to Lucas uh, Pat what? Harris. 20, 2018. Okay. Oh, what? <laughs> the, what? the 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 barrister, the barrister, not <sighs> the the one. From okay. The, what the show? What what did you think of the good sport? For goodness sakes. Let's uh, I uh, you know what? So I've been pretty down on season six. I was realizing I was giving this some thought today. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we were watching these two episodes, and I feel like for every single episode in season six, we were like, I mean, it's not bad, but it's not good. Uh, and so I, uh, liked the good sport. I liked it quite a bit. Uh, I thought Michelle Kwan was well used. I thought her performance was fine. Um, I thought like that we got a little bit of Jenna in here, and I thought like I got a kick out of you know sometimes when characters are being bad and they have to kind of be the antagonist or a character that has to learn their lesson, they kind of get so annoying that you're just like rooting against them the whole time, and and it 
becomes almost unwatchable because you're just so annoyed with them. But mm-hmm. I feel like in this case, like both Muffy and Muffy to an extent, but especially Francine was like entertainingly the villain in this episode. Like I just go back to that image of like Muffy yelling at her television um, and then immediately getting her comeuppance. And I'm like, this is, she's obviously supposed to be bad, but I kind of like, or like how over the top she was being with throwing the party and all that stuff. Um, I don't know. I was kind of into it. Uh, and I think it was effective of being like, okay, obviously this is like bad behavior and you would not want to be around someone who's acting like this. So you felt bad for Jenna. Um, you didn't like Muffy, but I feel like it wasn't annoying to watch. Like I liked how it all played out and, uh, I liked all the imagination sequences of, of, uh, you know, Muffy being bested in skating. I liked this episode. I really liked it. Uh, I agree with you. Um, in fa- like in fact, it has become one of my favorites of the season. I would say I don't want to get too much into my feelings on season six yet because we'll have a whole episode for that very soon. Um, but I understand what you're saying. Um, yeah, I went into this. I really was. I wasn't expecting all that much. But I gotta say, like I, I, Lucas, there was. I was gonna say that Francine was like playing the heel in this episode, and I meant, and I meant that in the classical sense of like you. She really is setting herself up to both be changed and be kind of uh, hoisted by her own petard, like just kind of made to be made a fool of by the end. So she's kind of acting this way in order to get that reaction from you. And I feel that was really well earned. Like we've had episodes before where characters act mean or insensitive or something like that and kind of don't get their comeuppance or it's like the wrong kind. And this was an example of when that absolutely works. I thought that the conflict with Francine was very genuine and made sense with her character. I liked learning more about Jenna, and I thought that she was a very good foil for this, like introducing, kind of giving something for a new character to do instead of, you know, with another character we already kind of know. Um, Muffy, I thought, also played her played her role very well. She was more dis- more despicable than Francine, that's for sure. I thought I thought the inclusion of Michelle Kwan was pretty good. I thought she was she did a pretty good job with uh, with the role that she had. Yeah, it's I. And I and I did kind of like the the message about like because being a good sport I feel is something that is hammered home a lot to younger kids, especially younger kids who play who play sports. And I feel like I really got it this time of like not only the reason why Jenna deserved what she got, but also um, why Francine was acting the way she was. And I thought that the way that she eventually came around made a lot of sense, other than the fact that it was like a dream sequence. But that's Arthur at this point. Like, I'm willing to accept that. So I really liked this episode. I also liked Crushed. Uh, I think that, I think that these were two very good episodes, in my opinion. I'd say Crushed maybe a little bit less, but at the same time, talking about it here, I think it works. It's something I uh, wouldn't expect Arthur to kind of tackle, and they do it very gently i guess then you know they never say like arthur's in love with her or even that like arthur likes sally but you can tell like you can you can just tell by the way he kind of regards her and i think it's something that a lot of kids go through is kind of affection for somebody older and kind of figuring out how to deal with those emotions and of course you know we talked i i kind of talked about how you like oh arthur acting like an incel thing incel here but the but the difference is that Arthur is 8 years old and the people that <laughs> the people that he's emulating are like not they are far older so it's way less charming this seemed kind of natural for where this was going i really liked Sally i kind of hope we see her again and i appreciated that uh she was kind of a different 
uh, female character for the for this show. Like I again, we introduce these characters sometimes and never hear from them again. I do hope we see her again. I, and, and 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 Will, you can't be forgetting about my man Corey over there. Sure, like it, bring Corey back. If only so Lucas can imitate him more. Um, I also uh, liked the Arthur various bro, ways- Arthur, bro. We're heading down to the Whole Foods to get smoothies. You coming along, man? Be care- the, the beginning of that almost sounded like you were going to start doing Trump. So be, car- no, be careful. No, tr- tr- no, yeah, no, Arthur Brand. I, I didn't vote for Trump. I voted for Jill Stein, bro. <laughs> She knows that crystals is what you need to <laughs> vaccinate your kids. I don't know. Bro. Bro. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and also, finally, I liked kind of the different ways that we told this story through the stick figure animation, through the video game. Uh, yeah, no, I thought this was I thought this was also very good. Yeah, I, I pretty much echo your feelings about Crushed as well. I liked it as well as... Um, uh, the good sport, but maybe not as much, but I still liked it quite a bit. Uh, I liked the introduction of the new characters. Um, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't once again bring up, I think actually some of my thoughts on this episode are clouded by how good that opening song is. Uh, whatever, mm-hmm. after that, whatever this episode was going to serve me up, I was along for the ride. Um, but I, I, yeah, I thought it was a really entertaining episode. Any episode that involves heavy video games, you and I both know that's one of our soft spots. Um, and I was happy to see the return of the hand-drawn segment. Also, it was interesting to see Arthur in a position that we weren't really used to seeing him in, which is having a, a crush on a girl, kind of, <laughs> which is new for the series. And I think it was handled incredibly well especially like the whole joke they had with like him thinking buster knew exactly what he was talking about and he wasn't at all yeah and it's tackled in a different way because you know other stories are just like does arthur have a crush on francine or da 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 and handled more as kids of just like ew no girls are gross and this is the first kind of one where it's like okay well maybe maybe we're starting to mature that a little bit so it was it was it was different and i appreciated it for that well, goodness, well, goodness gracious, um, as we end off this episode of Elwood City Limits, we're getting to the end of season six. We are on the season finale next episode. There's going to be a lot of changes happening in the month of April for Elwood City Limits. That's right. I mean, you're getting married. Uh, the WWE Championship will probably change hands at WrestleMania. Um, I am starting my work term, so uh, it's it's spring has sprung, and it's the season of change. That's right. And when we when we talk to you next time, hopefully sooner rather than later, the final episode of Arthur Season 6 includes Arthur Loses His Marbles and Friday the 13th. As spooky as a as a Walmart that lost its power, it's Friday the 13th. <laughs> we'll have to see what that what's going on there. All right, we hope to see you next time here on Elwood City Limits. Thanks a lot for joining us. And, uh, yes, you will be hearing from us as uh, things begin to ramp up here as we uh, anticipate a lot of new life uh, new life things happening, so to speak. My name's Will Young, and for Lucas Mancini... Reading? We're in the Sugar Bowl! <laughs> we'll see you next time. Have a great week, everybody. <laughs>